Welcome to the most listened to golf in the world, the Fairways of Life show, on air, online, and around the world, with the most candid interviews, unforgettable stories, taking you beyond the ropes. Here's your host, New York Times best-selling author, Matt Adams. Great to have your company, folks. Welcome into the Fairways Life Show on this Tuesday. We're coming to you from our home, away from home, just outside of New York City, up here at NBC Sports, hosting Golf Central this week. Well, we got a great deal of response from all of you yesterday. Remember, Dom had it as the question of the day, and we were engaged in the discussion on the show. As to the rule of a DQ applying to the signing of an incorrect scorecard, or is there something else that can be done? The, the most extreme of which people suggesting that the rule should be changed. Some people are saying, why? Just because it was Jordan Spieth. Others are saying that, yes, absolutely, with all the technology that exists today, that the players shouldn't even have to keep each other's scorecard. And then there's others such as myself that kind of feels like, you know, it's okay that you keep my scorecard, I keep your scorecard, but I don't see anything wrong with using modern technology to make sure that we both get it right before a player leaves the scoring area and risks a disqualification, whether it's Jordan Spieth or not Jordan Spieth at any level that this type of exchange takes place. So it was, Dom, what, 59%, the last I recall, 59% of the people agreed that something should change. And, it, and you could always weigh in on the question of the day by logging on to the Fairways of Life's YouTube channel. But was it 59%? Am I correct in that recollection? Yeah, it was. That was how it finished off, Matt. 59%. So Okay, 59% of you said that definitely should people change. People want to change. You, that want to change. Uh, have you worked on a question of the day today? What direction are you going to take us down with that? I haven't, I haven't officially released it yet, but yes, the question of the day is going to be centered around the world rankings right now, and we'll get into it a little bit later, and I'm sure we'll get into it with our first guest, but you probably saw the tweet that was making its rounds on social media yesterday from Greg Norman, where he was complaining about the world rankings and how they're a little bit off, and he put up a tweet of the various ranking systems. You can see on your screen there, he thinks it's laughable to live players, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's an interesting discussion, and I think the question of the day should be, do the official world golf rankings need an overhaul full stop yes or no well from the perspective that the official world golf rankings are supposed to rank all the golfers who are playing professionally in the world it would seem to me that the world golf rankings should be adjusted to accommodate and reflect all professional golfers now i understand that when it comes to live in the official world golf ranking system that they're trying to figure out what live has to do in order to conform with the structure of the world ranking system. But I bet that there's some way that that done if everyone put their heads together on that, because from the, the standpoint that they're using official world golf rankings to still be the gateway into many important events, uh, I definitely think that that's something that uh, should be worked out. There's little doubt about that. We'll talk with our next guest about that. I am sure Andres Gonzalez is joining us, a five-time winner amongst the professional ranks, including multiple times winning on the Corn Ferry Tour. Almost 300 tour starts when it's all said and done, and it included 19 top tens along the way. He is analyst this week for the PGA Tour event in Mexico, and Andreas, who I think is an absolute classic and have had the, uh, the pleasure of working with uh, already a uh, number of times over at PGA Tour Live, is joining us live from, I think, 
the darkness of morn where he's calling us from. Is it what, just after 5 a.m. your time? Andres, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Yep, just after 5 a.m., but anytime I get asked by Mr. Matt Adams to come on and join, I am more than happy to do it. So just after the 5 o'clock hour and getting ready to head back to bed when we're done here and get ready to take the kids to school later. Yeah, don't you have three little ones running around, if I remember correctly? I do. Eight and seven-year-old girls and a three-year-old boy, and they, they keep my hands full here, so happy that I'm able to, to work from my basement a fair amount. I can imagine. Now, you are obviously engaged in professional broadcasting. I've seen your work on the range uh, that's seen on Golf Channel, obviously worked with you at PGA Tour Live and enjoyed that as well. What is going on with you from a player's perspective? Are you still out there playing? Are you getting some starts and then mixing in the broadcasting or is a broadcasting primary? I am not. I actually have had my status it, my status is no longer starting this year. My last win on Corn Ferry Tour was in 2014. So I had a 10-year conditional status on Corn Ferry for the last, obviously, 10 years. But this is the last year of it, and I am strictly in broadcasting and starting to kind of dabble in other endeavors. Great. We've got dabbling in other endeavors. With with the kind of Civil War mustache that that you like to rock, do people recognize you still when you're out and about and they go, hey, aren't you the Yeah, so I, I still get some, I think the mustache was on purpose and it was very, it's very recognizable. I'm different than most golfers. So when I'm out on the road or commentating at all, I still get some pictures taken, but I, I think that I'm enjoying that right now because I don't think that's going to last a whole lot longer as players just seem to get younger and I seem to become more obsolete. Oh, I don't know about that. that your, your opinions certainly are not. That's the reason why you're being sought at after with the, all these different broadcast entities. Why don't we start with what we were just talking about, That I'm curious what your perspective is on it. Uh, you saw the kind of flare-ups through social media, et cetera, even Benny Ahn responding to it yesterday about the world rankings. Where are the world rankings right now in your mind in terms of being the arbitrator and the gatekeeper into getting into these important events? I think something's going to change. I, I'm not sure exactly when it's going to, but with multiple, the list that you're showing right now with Tugger, the, the Ogre, uh, Sports Illustrated, Data Golf, having a bunch of different world golf rankings, I don't know if that's a good thing for golf. But at some point with players leaving and going to play live, they're all good players. And I don't think that there's anybody that, has that is playing that has any animosity to them leaving you're making a business decision but at some point the fact that the players are gone i think that there will be world ranking points it just they need to over at the live tour jump through a few hoops to be able to get world rankings and and fall under uh certain regulations that need to happen but at some point i think that Everybody is going to be involved and everything is going to get back on track. But as of right now, it's uh, quite divisive. And I don't know if that's the best thing for golf. All right. Speaking about divisive opinions, there were many of those on the fact that Jordan Spieth was disqualified for signing an incorrect scorecard. Have you ever had a situation like that happen to you? I have. Um, it was probably 2000. 13, I was playing in the U.S. Open qualifier back in Columbus, Ohio. There were two rounds. One was at 
the OSU Scarlet Course, and the other one was at Scioto Country Club. I started at Scarlet. I played with John Ha and Rocco Mediate, and I just didn't sign my card. So when I got to the Scioto Course, you have about an hour, hour 15 minutes in between rounds. I had somebody come up to me as I was walking towards the putting green, and he was a rules official asking me if I was Andre Gonzalez, and I kind of puffed up like, yeah, that's me. I, you obviously know who I am. He goes, well, you didn't sign your scorecard, sir. And I just 180 degree turned around and went back to the parking lot and unfortunately just didn't sign my scorecard. So um, that wasn't the case with Jordan Spieth. He signed it, but just signed for an incorrect score. And that's it, just kind of the way it goes. Those are the rules. And that's kind of how we've been trained since we were young kids is to know that you need to sign your scorecard. You need to make sure that all the, the boxes are checked with the right numbers. And that just didn't happen, unfortunately, for Jordan. What would your reaction be if they used some sort of a check and balance system, some, something in terms of the modern equipment that's out there and everywhere to make sure that before you walk out that door, somebody goes, hey, guys, let me just double check the numbers and make sure that our system shows the same thing as you guys to avoid the possibility that someone could be disqualified without the intent of actually trying to sign a scorecard that's wrong. Right. I, I believe we already do that to an extent. Um, you have a walking score. They come in and check with the official score. And then you have the opportunity to go through and check your card as you go along. So you can check box by box for 18 scores on whether or not the numbers are correct. And, you know, I, my understanding is that Jordan was in a bit of a hurry to get out of there and maybe just didn't quite pay attention. He missed one score where he scored a, a four instead of a three and signed for a three and Unfortunately, that's just the way that the rules go right now. I don't think that there would be any problem with scoring happening out there, but I, I think that's still going to be a difficult thing because at some point you're asking a walking scorer or a volunteer to be able to keep track of a score. And if somebody gets into some trouble where they, let's say they get off into some trees and start hitting some trees around, you're asking somebody to be accountable for, let's, be drastic here and say eights, nines, tens, elevens, whatever it may be. And I just think that's tough to do. So I think that it's not a bad thing that it's still on the players. Um, I think the first person you ask, if you ask Jordan Spieth, he would tell you that, that that's on him. That's his fault. And I don't know if he has a huge issue with it. Now, as far as we've gotten with technology, I don't, if somebody of higher power made a ruling that we can use technology to keep score, I don't think that there's anything bad about that. I think moving forward in technology is a is a good thing and a convenient thing. But as of right now, that's not where we're at. So that's that's the rule for now, and he's out. Our guest is Andres Gonzalez. We will continue with Trey on the Fairways of Life show right after these words. Our show is presented by the PGA Tour Superstore. They are the number one golf retailer from coast to coast. They have those big, beautiful stores everywhere where whatever your game needs, surely you can find it inside of those stores. But whether you wear it, whether you swing it, whether you learn from it, you know you're going to be working with the very, very best. You can shop with the pros at your happy place. Relax. Easy now. Find your happy place. It's all in the hips. Just tap it in. Yes! Find the latest clubs and apparel at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. 
In Ireland, golf is more than just a game. Come and experience our world-famous Lynx courses and our world-famous Parkland courses, all set alongside world-famous scenery. And visit our world-famous historic sites. And while you're here, enjoy our world-famous hospitality. Fill your heart with Ireland at ireland.com forward slash golf. It screams. It tracks. It's soft. It reacts. It is the Bridgestone Tour B with a game-changing reactive cover designed to spring faster off your driver and stick longer to your wedges. Try Bridgestone's Tour Bs. The Tour Ball reinvented. The Gen 6 iron is a culmination of everything that we have learned as a team. The absolute best golf club I have ever hit. It's something special. Say hello to the new PXG Gen 6 iron. The longest, most accurate irons we've ever made. They go higher and farther than any iron that I have hit to date. And they're so easy to hit. Super excited for the consumer to try these. They're going to love them. PXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. Baseball? Nah. Football? Done it. I think I'm gonna go after the PGA Tour. Bo, you're gonna need the right equipment company. I think I got that. You know Tour Edge backs all their clubs with a lifetime warranty. I know. They ship all their premium custom clubs in 48 hours. I know. All their premium clubs are hand-built in the USA. I know. You know Tour Edge has won 35 times out here. Guys, I know. Pound for pound, nothing comes close. Boeing Golf provides the ultimate world-class golf destination with 10 championship-caliber courses spanning three resorts. Centered in Michigan's northern Lower Peninsula, the courses are the products of some of the game's masters, including Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross. From the all-inclusive vacation packages, elite instruction with the Boeing Golf Academy, tournaments, and so much more, Boyne Golf truly offers an unrivaled Michigan golf vacation experience. Just log on to boynegolf.com. Welcome back to the Fairways of Life show from wherever around the globe you are joining us today. Our guest is Andres Gonzalez, a longtime veteran campaigner amongst the professional ranks. So, Trey, I'm curious, do you think that, that fans, that we as fans truly understand the grind that a professional golfer do? I mean, everyone sees the trappings of celebrity and, and luxury and, and wealth that goes with reaching the top highest tiers of the professional game but to get to that level takes so many levels of accomplishment those steps you have to take to get there do people really truly understand what it takes to get to a point where playing as a tour touring professional will actually pay your bills i don't think so i think it has to do with it doesn't seem like a real job it's it's a hobby that most people on the planet love and I think that's really cool to be involved in that. But as far as taking it to the next level where you're making a living doing it, that it, it 
becomes a grind and it becomes a lot of fun, honestly. Um, you're doing something that everybody loves and you're able to make work of it. To get to the highest level, it's tough, though, because once you – I was fortunate enough to play on the PGA Tour for five years, and once you get there, you're not given anything. You're still – you may have reached this lifelong goal, but now you're playing against the best of the best, and I was very fortunate enough to be able to get to that level, but I wasn't to the level where I was getting consistent enough to where I could stay there. Five years was a, a good run for me, but – as far as putting in the work, it, it does become a grind, especially when you're not playing great. When you're playing well, it seems like the easiest job in the world, but it's it's all relative. You can still be a top 20 player in the world and have a week where you feel like you don't have any idea what's happening in your golf game and any control over the golf ball. So it, it's all relative based on where you are and, and what state of the game. I mean, it sounds like a cliche question to ask you then, but when you're in that state, good or bad, is it more mental or physical? 100% mental. Uh, if you go out and play in a golf tournament, if you don't think you have a chance to win, you're probably not going to win. So as far as self-belief, uh, that's that's a huge part of it and making sure that you're in a right uh, mental state of mind. And at, at the lower levels, that can be frustrating because I think the constant question that anybody has, especially playing mini tours or even corn Ferry tour, is what's your backup plan? And for most people that plan on playing on the PGA Tour, there is no backup plan. This is it. This is this is the plan. This is what I'm throwing all my eggs in, and that's what your belief is. So constantly a answering that question could be uh, it can be a bit annoying. And then at at the highest level, you're, you're not really given a whole lot of respect unless you make it to the PGA Tour, which is the highest level. You know, it, it, there's something you touched on too with with all of that. Andres, when you're talking about mental, 100% mental, to, to use your exact phrase, I've always wondered about this. When, when you look at the people historically or even in your experience that you've run into, and I, and I assume at times you even felt it yourself, where there was nothing that you couldn't do. And I'm not talking about you make every single putt, but you go out there and you know you're going to shoot under par. You're just where you need to be in a mental space and it manifests itself in, in how you play. But I wonder if there are certain people that their ability to handle pressure, whether it's manifest in making that clutch putt or hitting the shot that they need to hit at the time that need to hit it, is that how they're wired? You, you follow me? In, in other words, we all like to believe that you read a few Bob Rotella books or you gain some confidence and you can go out there and do the same thing. But it seems like there's certain people, and Jack Nicklaus comes to mind, obviously Tiger Woods comes to mind, where they seem to have the ability to perform in times and at places when it consumes everyone else that, that surrounds them. Where do you fall on that? Is that a learned trait or do you think that's a hard wire issue? I think it's both. Um, I think hardwired is the initial state where you're going to get a lot of young people or even professionals that you don't. I mean, I, I, at the professional level, I think that you can train for it a, a fair amount. So those people are all a little more experienced. But at a, a younger level, let's say junior golf, even amateur golf, I think that players are hardwired a little bit, but it can be taught. You need to want the ball. You need to want the uh the moment to take over and that you can control it i think that there are a lot of players on the pga tour that at the highest level where there are players in particular where that fans may want to have a putt that's let's say 10 feet to win a golf tournament and there are other players that uh 
they don't want to win a putt. Now, are are those people wired differently? Tough to tell, but I I think that it's it's definitely a trait if you want the ball and you want to be able to have a putt for a big finish. And there are some people that shy away from it a little bit or don't like the nerves that come with it. Yeah, let me let me pick up on that side then and, and come at the question from a different direction if you'd allow. And that is, okay, not the people who perform, but are there people, I'm sure you've seen this through through your your professional career, are there people that just can't handle the pressure? They may have all the talent in the world. They may be able to hit the ball as good or better than anyone that you've seen, but at those moments of pressure, regardless of how much training they've done and experience that they've tried to garner, they just can't close the deal. There probably are people like that, but it's tough to tell until you actually get somebody in that situation. The more that you're in it, the more you become uh, accustomed to being in a pressure pack situation. And the more, let's say you, you go into it and you succeed right away, you can still learn from that. If you fail, you can still learn from that, but you need to put yourself in position uh, that has any kind of pressure, any kind of magnitude over and over and over to where you can kind of get over that hump and feel like you can win. And some, some people do it quicker than others, and some people, you know, it takes a little bit of time. Can you think of a time, Andreas, when, when you had trouble feeling your hands or, or you knew that your knees were knocking underneath your trousers? Yes. I, my highest finish on the PGA Tour was a tie for third at the Mayakoba, which is now the Worldwide Tech Classic in Mexico. And... I came down the stretch and I just didn't make any birdies the last six holes. And I was, I was feeling pressure, but it was also as much fun as I've had playing. And it, I, I felt like my mind quieted down a little bit. So I, as far as not being able to feel hands that I don't know if that was the case, but being able to kind of harness what you're doing and, and be able to try to quiet everything down. And that's what you play for. You, you play for giving yourself a chance to win golf tournaments. And so a, a lot of it is the fun of trying to feel these outside circumstances and these outside nerves come in and, and be able to control it the best you can. It's, it's, it's a ton of fun and I miss it every day. One of the things that's interesting to me is when you look at the scoring on the Corn Ferry Tour, uh, whether it was Steven Yeager a couple of years ago or just what we see week in and week out, it's crazy good scoring, crazy good ball striking that we see. If you look at qualifiers to get into, whether whether it's a PGA Tour, Corn Ferry Tour, a PGA Tour Champions for that matter, you're looking at scores many times that are sub 65 just to get a hint, a sniff of the possibility of getting into these events. Because you have seen tours outside of the highest tours on the PGA Tour, what is your reaction to hearing that in terms of how much raw talent is circling around the game of golf? Well, I, first of all, I think that players are getting better and better and better. And I think technology is a big part of that. I think that Tiger Woods is a big part of that. Um, him turning pro in uh, 1996, I think that you're starting to see generations of players that are born in his lifetime. Their entire life, Tiger has been a big part of the game, and if not the game. So I, I think the players are coming out a lot more ready. And when you get not the highest level, let's say PGA Tour, 
when you're starting to play in Monday qualifiers and in tournaments, I think that there is a point where you're trying to showcase uh, these young players and the, the courses may not be set up quite the same as far as they're, they're probably same length, but the rough isn't near the same as it is on the PGA Tour. Fairways aren't quite as much of a premium, but I think that that's the way that it should be. I think that if you're not watching the preeminent tour in the world, that players need to go low, and that's that's the way that it is. Uh, we saw a couple weeks ago down in Colombia on the Corn Ferry Tour, we saw a 57 and a 59 in the same week. And that's at a very high elevation course. At, I want to say 8,500, maybe 9,000 feet in Bogota, Colombia. But I don't, I don't care what course you're playing. You still have to make putts, and you still have to get it around. And it, you're playing against the same people. The courses shouldn't really matter. You're playing against... The course, yes, but you're playing against the competition that that you're up against. And any time you're putting up those kind of numbers, I just think it's absolutely insane. Guys are ready to go and, and chomping at the bit to get out on the big tour. That's just only part of what makes it so exciting to watch everybody's ascent in the game as well. If you could go back to your earliest days of ascent, if, if it was possible to go back in time and talk to a young version of you, what advice would you give to yourself in terms of moving forward as a tour professional? Uh, believe in yourself. There's not a whole lot of people that are going to sit there and believe in you outside of maybe your parents and your swing coach and your, your small team that you've put together, your family, your wife. But as, as far as going out there, there's not one person that is going to get as much joy from you playing well as you are. So it, it doesn't affect anybody else out there if you're not playing well. Uh, I guess for the most part, it may bring other people a little bit of joy, even if they're your friend, uh, to be able to beat you. So if you don't have self-belief, you're going to have a tough time making it at the highest level. So make sure that you constantly believe in yourself and don't give up on yourself. Is that the advice you give to all young people today, or would you also salt in there to continue to work on their short game? Short game's a huge part of it. Uh, I mean, every every aspect of it, especially the higher levels you get. The short game was always harped into me in junior golf and in college. And when I got to the professional ranks, I was like, man, I need to hit it the fairway a little bit more too. So I'm not putting for par as much as I'm putting for birdie. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that's the biggest thing. I've amassed by a lot of people and parents of their kids that are in college, junior golf, even mini tour golf asking if I think that their kid has a chance. And the, the answer is typically yes. I think that anybody that thinks that they want to play professionally probably has a chance, but you better believe in yourself and you better get ready to start working because it's not an easy task. And the biggest thing that I've really been able to tell outside of self-belief is just the amount of time that players put in. And if you can put in a lot of time, and believe in yourself, I think that there's a good chance for every player. You touched on this earlier in the interview, but I want to I ask you in, in a form that makes it crystal clear one way or the other. Do you believe that the game of golf at its highest competitive levels will become one? Will something be worked out? I do at some point. Um, whether or not the the PIF and the PGA Tour come into any kind of agreement, I think that's I, I don't know. I we'll, we'll see what happens there. That those negotiations have been ongoing, 
but I do think at some point there will be a one world ranking that will govern over all of golf, which I think that there should be. I think at some point uh, that's, that's the best thing for major championships moving forward. That's where fans want to see all of the best players in the world. And that's uh, looking like where you're going to start seeing all the best players in the world, which is going to be fun at some point when that does happen, because that's, that's what you want to see. That's what majors are all about. All right, Andres, as we say goodbye to you here this morning, before we say uh, as such, would you share with us how and where we can get your coverage moving forward? What are you going to be doing for the next few weeks? Uh, this upcoming week, I will be down in studio in St. Augustine, Florida for PGA Tour Live. So you can check that out at ESPN+. Plus. There you go. Um, and I will be on the marquee group coverage. We have not got that quite yet but i would assume being a defending champ and the top ranked player in the field tony finau will be in that group but if not you'll be able to find him on the main feed and on the third feed which is featured groups fantastic well we're looking forward to your continuing work on the media side of the business thank you very much for getting up early with us today and then run those kids to school and get yourself some more sleep uh, and i can't wait till we get a chance to work together again my friend Excited. Thank you so much for having me, Maddie. All right. We'll talk to you very, very soon. So, folks, when we come back on the Fairways of Life show, we're going to be joined by yet another touring professional to give us a glimpse into that world. Deeper we go in the Fairways of Life show on this Tuesday. Stay with us. Relax. Easy now. Find your happy place. It's all in the hips. Just tap it in. Yes! Find the latest clubs and apparel at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. In Ireland, golf is more than just a game. Come and experience our world-famous Lynx courses and our world-famous Parkland courses, all set alongside world-famous scenery. And visit our world-famous historic sites. And while you're here, enjoy our world-famous hospitality. Fill your heart with Ireland at ireland.com forward slash golf. It screams. It tracks. It's soft. It reacts. It is the Bridgestone Tour B with a game-changing reactive cover designed to spring faster off your driver and stick longer to your wedges. Try Bridgestone's Tour Bs. The Tour Ball reinvented. The Gen 6 Iron is a culmination of everything that we have learned as a team. The absolute best golf club I've ever hit. It's something special. Say hello to the new PXG Gen 6 Iron. The longest, most accurate irons we've ever made. They go higher and farther than any iron that I have hit to date, and they're so easy to hit. Super excited for the consumer to try this. They're gonna love them. PXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. Baseball, nah. Football, done it. I think I'm gonna go after the PGA Tour. Bo, you gonna need the right equipment company. I think I got that. You know Tour Edge backs all their clubs with a lifetime warranty. I know. They ship all their premium custom clubs in 48 hours. I know. All their premium clubs are hand-built in the USA. I know. You know Tour Edge has won 35 times out here. Guys, I know. 
Pound for pound, nothing comes close. Boyne Golf provides the ultimate world-class golf destination with 10 championship caliber courses spanning three resorts. Centered in Michigan's northern lower peninsula, the courses are the products of some of the game's masters, including Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross. From the all-inclusive vacation packages, elite instruction with the Boyne Golf Academy, tournaments, and so much more, Boyne Golf truly offers an unrivaled Michigan golf vacation experience. Just log on to boynegolf.com. Zero Friction introduces the Wheel Pro Push Cart Golf Bag with its revolutionary three-in-one design, supportive legs that spring into action, a comfort grip handle with three locking positions, accessories for the modern golfer enhanced by seven pockets for more storage, and removable all-terrain wheels which slide right into place. The new Zero Friction Wheel Pro Golf Bag checks every box for every golfer. Push, carry, or cart, the decision is yours thanks to Zero Friction. Head to ZeroFriction.com today. That's beautiful right there. That's an Evan Schiller photo. Folks, PXG is putting their money where their mouth is. If their new black ops driver doesn't beat your driver, then you'll instantly win $100 from PXG. Get in touch with PXG now and schedule your test. Will you put your driver up against the new black ops? PXG.com for more information. We are delighted to inform that we're being joined now by Maya Stark. She's joining us live from Thailand. She's there for the Honda LPGA Thailand, which kicks off tomorrow. Uh, her background is interesting. Hailing from Sweden, she played her college golf at Oklahoma State, where she rose as high as sixth in the amateur rankings. She turned professional in 2021, won two of her first three starts as a pro on the L.E.T., Maya is still only 24 years old. She already has eight professional wins of them on the L.E.T., one of them on the LPGA Tour. No doubt you remember her, too, from the last European Solheim Cup squad where she went 2-1-1 one, and one in her first appearance, taking down major champ Allison Corpoots in singles by a score of 2-1. to one. Maya, how are you? Welcome to the program. What time is it where you are in Thailand? I am good. How are you? Um, it, it is... 8.30 at night. All right, so not too bad, but how quickly are you able to adjust when you're going through multiple time zones? I'm assuming you just had dinner recently. What time is your body right now, or, or do you tend to travel pretty well and adjust easily? Um, it's usually easier because we always, well, at least I live at home still in Sweden, so I usually just travel west to go play tournaments, and that's always easier. But I've, I don't know. I think I've just been so tired coming here, so I'm pretty ready for bed. But that's usually not the case going east. Well, we'll try not to keep you up too late then your time, as it's it's just after eight thirty a.m. East Coast for us. When you live at home in Sweden, do you just block huge amounts of time that you're going to plan on being on the road? Or otherwise, how do you keep your game from getting rusty when it's cold and snowy out? Um, well, on the Swedish team, we've always been um, working 
periodically, I guess. I don't know if you say that, but um, so we go, we say, you're not going to lose much if you don't practice putting for a month, uh, but you're going to gain a lot if you work on your irons for a month straight. So um, it's, I mean, my coach thinks it's a great thing to have a couple of months off um, and just being able to be indoors and hit and work a lot on uh, the gym stuff. So um, it doesn't really get very rusty. I feel like it takes maybe a day or two when you're outside and you're able to hit chips and putts, but then you're back to where you were. And how how much are you, have you been traveling so that you're actually out there on a real golf course hitting these shots and and preparing versus how much time do you off have say around the holidays and the start of the new year? I didn't do much. I was mostly just at home. We had a camp in Phoenix with the Swedish golf team the week before TOC. So um, that's pretty much the only thing I did. I mean, we I did spend two weeks in the U.S. after CME, like the finals, but um, I didn't do anything. I barely touched the club. So what do you, what do you do, what's how do you spend your time during those cold cold months in Sweden? Do you like to read? Is it watching streaming services or or how do you occupy yourself? Uh, the answer is yes to all those questions. Um, I mean, there's only so much you can hit and so for so long because your body just can't take much more than two three hours a day of just hitting balls. So it's a lot of um, I started painting last winter, so I did some of that, but um, it's been a lot of just maybe planning for next year, doing financial stuff, fixing, fixing some of those things too. Do you find that maintaining your life at home gives you stability and helps you find kind of a emotionally a firm ground when you're out competing? Yeah, def definitely. You don't want anything to be worrying you outside of golf, I guess. Uh, that's not a very comfortable position. I have tended in the past to play pretty well when I have had tumultuous weeks, but I, outside of the course, but I don't, I don't want to have that. Um, so yeah, it's definitely helps when you have kind of a calm mind going into a tournament what is it maya about professional players now coming out of sweden i mean there was a time when it was not a normal thing just to expect that tour players would be coming out of sweden with regularity i think now you have to go back at least 20 years maybe 30 years to get to that point but it's a regular occurrence now with what is happening you've mentioned multiple times uh the swedish team that's behind it. Could you talk to us about your inspirations and about infrastructure that exists from the country now to help you guys evolve? Yeah, I think it, they're really good at creating the community so everyone will kind of meet everyone. It's um, very different in the US, I guess, because it's just so big and you can't really call people for a camp um, every other month when it's not actually for the national team so in on the swedish team you have the for the girls part you have the super camps which are 
just regional where they get local coaches and then you get uh, coaches from the federation who maybe have some more knowledge of how just the national team works so they come in with that knowledge and then you get the girl, girls future uh, team or camps where you have a lot of different girls um, coming in but meeting with coaches from the national team and you learn how the national team practices and plays kind of or what's what the average is of the national team players and then you go up to the girls national team so I feel like there's a lot of initiatives to help everyone and not just the top of the top um, and it all comes from like the same organization which uh, I think has been helpful because then everyone gets the same info. Maya, who was your hero? Who was your inspiration? You know, I didn't have that many like golf um, idols, but I think lately Tiger has just been the one. I've started watching the Chasing 82 on YouTube. So I just go through all of his wins and just look at little documentaries of that. That is very cool. When you said that you're a reader, what kind of books do you like to read? Uh, I keep, I have reread some books, um, but it's usually somewhat adventurous. I like, I like, um, well, I guess almost every book is adventurous. I think that's fictional. Otherwise it would be boring, but um, that's what kind of keeps me to a book. I'm not a huge reader, so don't hold me by that, but um, oh. I'm reading. One of my favorite books is called Wild, which is about a woman who's kind of lost in life, and then she goes on an adventure. Well, speaking of Wild, that's a perfect segue here, because from what I understand about you when you travel, I believe the quote that I saw was that when you open up your suitcase, it explodes. What is the story behind <laughs> Maya the Traveler. Oh, but it's just, I'm not very tidy. And I think I was talking with Lynn about this. That's where the quote comes from, that Lynn will actually put her stuff in the closets and hang stuff up, whereas I open my suitcase and I just leave it in there because I have my system in the suitcase where it's like, okay, this is where the workout clothes are. This is where the golf clothes are. This is where the rest is. This is where the fancy clothes is. So I have that system, but then I also have to put the dirty laundry somewhere. So that just kind of ends up on top of something else. So then it's just messy. Okay, so as, as we're going to break, because we're going to come back and talk to you some more, I assume that you're connected with your phone right now. How about you grab your phone and show us what the room looks like, the explosion that exists around you right now? Okay. Um, well, so it's hot in Thailand, right? So we got some clothes that, are, that I've hung oh, up. Oh, my. They're just hanging. Um, well, it's not great. There's there are some some things in the bathroom too uh, that I hung up from yesterday that I haven't taken. It's, I've only been here for a day and a half, so it's not as bad as it could be. 
Um, well, that's good to know. At least, at least we've covered that, that portion. When we come back, more from Maya Stark to learn about how she is making her way in the world of professional golf. And when we come back, I want to hear about, because my personal belief is anyone that's a touring professional, they instantly become their own little business, their own little brand. What does her brand stand for? That and more as we carry on after this. I guess, hello world, huh? <laughs> and with one subtle hello, Tiger began an amazing and unthinkable career. I've done it for 20 years now with, with Bridgestone. It allows me to play an aggressive style around the greens and it's allowed me to win a lot of tournaments. Bridgestone Golf, proud to be part of your journey. Boeing Golf provides the ultimate world-class golf destination with 10 championship caliber courses spanning three resorts. Centered in Michigan's northern lower peninsula, the courses are the products of some of the game's masters, including Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross. From the all-inclusive vacation packages, elite instruction with the Boeing Golf Academy, tournaments, and so much more, Boeing Golf truly offers an unrivaled Michigan golf vacation experience. Just log on to boeinggolf.com. I think when you're training for other sports or you're what why most people go to the gym is so that they can like have muscles and you know be strong and be healthy and a lot of the reason why they struggle to play golf is their body doesn't move properly for them to be able to hit a golf ball and when you're training for golf it's a little bit different because you're focused more on flexibility and mobility and being uh, strong in motion when you're able to kind of have a warm-up and have a workout routine and kind of gradually build up to where you're training your body to move properly yeah you're gonna get a lot of big dividends on the golf course Easy now, find your happy place. It's all in the hips. Just tap it in. Yes! Find the latest clubs and apparel at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. What if we started a company and the company was under no time constraints, no financial constraints? The one constraint is their clubs had to be exceptional performers and much better than any other alternative. I was told time and again, it'll never work. It worked like a house of fire. And I'll tell you what, I think our customers love it. BXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. Stride by Zero Friction, the first of its kind personal caddy. Walk in comfort and style with Stride's remote and follow me technology. The Stride handles almost any terrain and its 54 hole range will last all day. The lightweight design and removable front wheels makes it simple to handle. Plus it easily fits golf carts or yours and save. Visit zerofriction.com backslash stride or scan the QR code to order yours today. Stride, your personal caddy. Welcome back to the Fairways of Life show. Our guest is Maya Stark from the LET and the LPGA. She's joining us live from Thailand, getting ready for the start of the Asian Swing. Remember, it starts tomorrow in the time, primary time zones for us. It is just about 
almost 10 minutes to the top of the hour, which would be 9 a.m. Eastern time. And she is getting ready to go to bed because uh, she is, as I mentioned, on the other side of the world. So, Maya, how excited are you for the start of the Asian swing and all the golf that you have before you? I'm really excited. I love playing in Thailand, especially. Uh, I think the fans are great here. And um, it's also nice to not have to warm up as much because it is so hot. Are you, when you travel, we talked a little bit about adjusting your sleep schedule, which obviously is critical for anybody, but in particular, a professional athlete. What about the food? How are you when you travel internationally, whether it's Asia or anywhere else around the world, in terms of adapting to the local cuisine? It's a little bit trickier for me. I'm a vegetarian, so uh, sometimes there are not many options, uh, but I'm, I'm so used to it by now. Um, but I love Thai food, so it's great this week. A lot of stir fries, pad thai. Um, so other places it's a little bit harder. Um, but I mean, usually when we play in the U.S. so much, that's always easy. But uh, yeah, when we go to Asia, uh, especially, it's kind of a hit or miss. Did you find being a part of the European Solheim Cup team and coming back with a winning record such as you did and, and a victory in singles uh, distinctively, did you find that it's helped you from a confidence standpoint? Has it changed your perspective at all? Oh, for sure. Um, hitting shots like that in such critical moments when you're not just playing for yourself, um, when you feel like you want to do it for your team, not just for Sweden, like we used to do in European teams, team championships and stuff, or at college. This was way different because it's just one team against another. So you'll have way more people rooting for you and they will be way louder than uh, you're used to. Um, so it, yeah, it just became a whole different thing. And especially with my putting, I noticed a huge difference because I think I just focused on making the putts and not anything else because um, technique, whatever it was, was just irrelevant. Uh, so I saw a huge improvement in my putting during that week and I've been trying to um, pick out what was different that week compared to normal tournament weeks. Maya, as young as you are, and with the success that you've already had, surely there's a whole myriad of emotions that you carry with you as you're making your way as a touring professional. How much is gratitude a part of who you are as you, you step forward day by day? Oh, it's, it's kind of hard sometimes because you don't really think about it. You just think about the now, but then I wouldn't be here if I didn't get the invites that I got. Uh, at the first couple tournaments. I got one from uh, Skafta Open uh, from Reina, who I've known for a long time and he's great friends with uh, the Kinholt family. And then I got an invite from uh, Creek House Management. And I am, I, I'm just so happy that they gave me that chance and um, that opportunity and for everything that I've gotten, because it's not, it's not a sure thing that you're inviting this young player and maybe it won't be great. Maybe they will perform and people like watching it. Um, but that, that set up my whole career after those two. And then 
just everything. I mean, when you look at and get to meet the fans, or especially the younger younger players, younger girls and boys that um, look up to you, that's that's huge. But you don't think about it every day, especially when you're in it. But during this off season, I have looked back on some memories and um, kind of stopped to reflect on what I have been doing. And uh, and the best memories are always the ones where you feel like the fans are with you or that you can make a difference for someone. Definitely important at that. And speaking of gratitude, we like to ask you about your sponsors as a way to say thank you to them for you coming on with us. So who have you aligned yourself with? I have uh, Nike and I have Ping. I went to school with one of the Solheim uh, grand, well, great grandkids, I guess. Um, so I've known them for uh, a while, even before I turned professional. Um, and I have Titleist as well for the golf balls. Very cool. Now you may have heard me mention this as we start to wrap up with you today, Maya, right before we went to break that my belief is, is as a touring professional, you become your own business, your own brand. What do you want your brand, the Maya Stark brand to represent to the world? Hopefully that I'm doing it for more than just myself. Um, I was talking with my coach, my golf coach and my mental coach a few years ago about motivation and um, why I want to become good at golf and and a bit of but well, a bit of where I get my motivations from is giving back. So I've had this goal forever to donate dollars to charities. Um, so hopefully I'll be able to do that one day. Well, we are very much looking forward to everything that lies in store for your future. You've already proven yourself as a winner. And I think that is a trend that will continue in earnest. Maybe it will start this week in Thailand, but certainly it will happen very, very soon. There is little doubt. Thank you for taking the time to join us. And in your case, we can say good night from here and we hope you get a good rest and get ready to go. Thank you so much. Absolute delight. All right, folks, so I want to share with you the air times in just a second of where you can catch the golf this week. But before we get to that, let me grab Dom and bring you back in. So remind so us, much. if you would, about uh, what your question of the day was today, Dominic. And then uh, if you could give us, uh, and again, you guys can weigh in on this if you want to, just log on to the Fairways of Life YouTube channel. What was, again, the question of the day, Dom, and where do we stand right now on it? Uh, yeah, sorry, I was saying goodbye to Maya there. How cool you could that, tell Maya? I was delayed. I was I dragged out the well, question as yeah, long as I was I could. saying goodbye. He's like, hey Dominic, hey, I'm like, I'm talking to Maya. Give me a second. I, I appreciate her joining us live from Thailand. That's bananas. That's so cool that she did that. And I really enjoyed the explosive suitcase situation. She totally lived up to the billing, by the way. That was I only one day. That's <laughs> great. It is only one day. We only got about a minute left, but um the question was. Do the official world golf rankings need to be overhauled? Yes or no? Straightforward, nice and simple. 91% are saying yes. And I know we only have a minute left, Andrew, but why don't you put that graphic up of a list of all the rankings? This is coming from a, a tweet that Greg Norman sent where he was essentially frustrated, saying this is laughable. And you can see the various possible alternative ranking systems. So it's just, it's wild, Matt. Uh, everyone is, I think it, and, and even Andres talked about it early. There's, 
there's got to be a better way. I'm not sure anybody has the answer, but I think we need to make some adjustments here. Well, the official World Golf Rankings said that they want to figure out a pathway. It's just time that they do uh, because there are major players playing golf that uh, are playing very well at that, too, that are not represented where everything comes together. So with all that, we used up the time that I was going to show you air times. I promise you that I will do that tomorrow on the Fairways of Life show from 8 a.m. Eastern time. Thank you so much for your company. Thank you to Andres and thank you to Maya for joining us from two far-flung time zones for us. And thank you to all of you for your time. Have a great day. Bye for now.